This is the Grow to Amazing podcast, episode number 21. Hey, everyone, this is Tony. Uh, just It's just me, myself, and I today, so a short list of guests to interview today. Um, and what I wanted to do today, I hope everybody's doing well out there and hoping to take the time to, to uh, uh, advance yourself and kind of grow today a little bit somehow and find some way to do better. Um, what I'm going to do today is is kind of give a little bit of an update on where things are at from our side, and well, I'll just talk about some things that I have learned. So, I know I've said it more than once. We are on a journey right now of traveling around the country in a fifth wheel camper, just trying to experience more of this country and get to know more of this world and and I haven't really talked about the nuts and bolts and details of it a whole lot and haven't posted a whole lot of things there um, but I wanted to do that today and talk about what I've learned and and it might help you understand some of the stress I guess I've been under um, or just some of the changes we've been going through that have caused that I've let cause stress and anxiety in my life and kind of mess up my schedule. So uh, I kind of made a list and I'm just going to run down through that list top to bottom. I mean, it's going to seem pretty <laughs> trivial and uh, I don't know, or maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know. But so what's a normal, let's first, before we go there, what's a normal suburban life look like? And, and I lived that life forever. Uh, that's what I considered normal at the time. And we're definitely not doing normal right now. So, or typical or whatever you want to call it. Uh, sorry for yawn. Um, Jackson was up a little bit last night as well. Plus we had some storms and, um, Still figuring out all the sleeping in a camper thing too. So, uh, but so for 20 years, I guess as an adult, quote unquote, I had lived in a house, standard suburban, uh, even a ranch style house, the two houses that I owned. Um, you know, you mow the lawn, you might occasionally have the occasional project where you got to do a little, maybe a little light electrical work, a little light plumbing, depending on, on how handy you are. But you don't have to worry about things like water. You don't have to worry about things like power. You don't have to, it's not a heavy necessarily if, if you've got a decent house that you've kept track of, it's not necessarily a heavy maintenance type of thing. So yeah, I mean, depending on, on your house and depending on how handy you are and depending uh, um, on what your skills are and things like that, you could either do little maintenance, lots of maintenance, no maintenance. And I mean, I'm a computer guy, so, and my computer keeps. And, and so I used maintenance guys, I used plumbers, I used electricians and went to the experts to be able to help me out. And um for big stuff, for little stuff, if I'm just changing an outlet or if I'm, I don't know, replacing a sink or, or a faucet or, you know, whatever, I can do that stuff. I mean, that's the easy stuff. But when you get to a camper and you're living in it full time and maintenance is a big part of that. And um, because these are, I mean, you're going down the road, road pulling this thing 
And anybody that's driven on roads across the country knows that our roads, by and large, are not in very good shape. So they're, it's like a rolling earthquake. And, uh, and you're in a smaller space. So you've got a lot less square footage to, for your family to sprawl out on, to use. And the things you have are getting used much more frequently. So the maintenance is a concern, the uh, wear and tear of just moving down the road, and there's a lot more things to worry about from there. So I thought I'd go front to back from the camper and talk about things that I have learned and blown me away just, just by growing and, and there goes the camper. So uh, just by growing and being forced to take on this additional work as part of what we're doing. And some of it's gonna be obvious to anybody that's been in an RV for any period of time, it'll be obvious and it'll be, well, well, yeah, of course, there's going to be maintenance and stuff like that. But at 51, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And so, but it hasn't been without its stresses. And it doesn't mean that it's easy to learn all the time. And part of this is preparing for something that I don't know when stuff might fail. You know, I don't know what might happen, but it's being prepared and it's being ready for it to the best of our ability. And and risk management and all that kind of stuff plays in plays a role there as well. So so the some of the different things, I mean, just starting with our truck. I mean, I had my exit had a truck, uh, which I'd obviously driven some. I've had SUVs, but we went all the way and went to a dually F-350 diesel uh, just to enable us to be able to size up to an even larger camper than what we got right now. Right now we have a 42 foot fifth wheel that's eight and a half feet wide and 13 feet five inches tall. And until you see that thing and until you have to realize you're pulling that down the road, it may not look that big, but it's big. <laughs> and so we wanted to, I mean, we could have gotten a, like a 350 single rear wheel diesel uh, or 3500, whatever, if you're a Chevy or Dodge guy, we could have gotten a single rear, single rear wheel and we have friends that are doing it with a single rear wheel truck. Um, but I just wanted to be able to upsize if we go to something like a 45 foot toy hauler in the next couple of years, I didn't necessarily want to have to buy a new truck at the same time. So, um, so we just went all the way and, and got the 350 to start because it seemed like the right truck to get. It's got an eight foot bed. So it is a long truck as well. It's got a 48 gallon fuel tank and uh, just having a truck that big was an adjustment because you're taking up the whole lane, no doubt about it. And just managing a diesel truck like that, um, doing things like death fluid that I had never had to touch before, uh, diesel exhaust fluid. And I changed my own fuel filters uh, before we left Wisconsin. Uh, so that was kind of cool, And but that's, the trucks today are, there's not a whole lot else I can do underneath the hood other than check fluid levels probably and and that kind of thing. 
So, I mean, there's, they're just so complex. We've got two batteries, two huge alternators. Uh, it's turbocharged, it's diesel. I mean, there's not much that's gonna be, that we're gonna be able to do there. Um, so that's also partly why we bought an extended service plan for it. So if something major mechanical does happen, uh, then we know we've got some backup there for something like a new engine that would be ten, twenty thousand uh, dollars That's not coming out of my pocket, um, or hopefully it's not. So, um, but just getting used to driving that. Uh, it was actually nice that we got the truck in December and the camper in March, April or March. Yeah, March. Uh, that gave us a few months to get used to having something that wide because the truck's almost as wide as the camper, um, almost exactly. So we got used to managing our lane position and things like that and just driving that thing uh, before we had the camper to also pull behind it. And then it also gave us time to find a hitch. Uh, we ended up finding a, a Reese, uh, a used, it's the Ford OEM hitch that uses the puck system in the bed and uh, we're able to find a good deal on that one so it saved us about 50 percent over buying a brand new uh, like a bmw companion or something like that but just researching and understanding hitches um, that took some time and took some understanding and and just finding and getting and pulling the trigger and saying this is yep this is okay this is what we're going to do but even then I had no practical experience there. So, and I can't go to my dad, he's worked with semis, but he hasn't towed a lot. I mean, he's worked with trucks pulling fifth wheel some for like horse trailers and cattle trailers and things like that. But I can't, he's not pulled an RV or anything like that. So I can't necessarily go to him because he's always used like a goose box, connect, goose box connection that goes into the bottom of the bed of the truck. And, or my father-in-law has, he's mostly done bumper pull type stuff. So, um, so it's a whole different animal than, than looking at a, a fifth wheel camper type pole. So, um, so it was taking a shot in the dark a little bit there. So some anxiety and just, you know, do the best you can research wise. We got it in, we got it mounted. I got it lubed up and got it ready to go as best we could. Um, we're using the friction, like the graphite embedded plastic lube plates. So we don't have to have a big greasy fifth wheel there, um, but there's still some maintenance to do. There's some, you have to understand how to hitch it and what height the camper needs to be at to hitch it properly and engage the teeth and all that kind of stuff. So we're still figuring out a little bit of that at times, but um, then I was also figuring out with the truck, what are, else are we going to carry in the bed of the truck when we travel? And uh, there's like an emergency kit uh, and um, so what do we need to be able to manage while the truck is on the road? So things like being able to change a tire. Uh, so we need a bottle jack, we need uh, torque wrench for camper wheels, we need um, emergency cones, we need a spare um, lube plate, we need grease, we need, you know, what else do we need to be able to go down the road? So we've got a whole tote filled with that stuff. We've got other totes with mechanical stuff for the camper, like tools and wrenches and sockets and, and a spare 20 pound cylinder. Um, 
Uh, I've got some workout stuff in there, kettlebells and things like that, that I didn't necessarily want to put in the camper because the camper is heavy enough already. We have spare weight in the truck, you know, as far as what our load can be. Uh, so I'm moving that weight there. And then just understanding the controls of what do we have to do when we're towing as far as hitching up and, and managing our backup camera and managing our tow, tow, towing mode and the engine brake and mirrors and cameras and all that stuff. I mean, um, I've now hitched it probably 10 times, I think. Um, you know, we're moving at, at most once a week. And um, other than travel days where I think we've got coming up Labor Day weekend, we leave a campground on Sunday, we're gonna overnight somewhere that we still have to find and then get to our next campground. So, you know, otherwise we're doing at least a week in between hitches. And so that's, you know, that helps take some of the stress off of having to hook up multiple days and fold up and get out of there uh, multiple days in a row. So, um, but it's still getting used to all of the different settings and things like that of making sure electrical, you know, the lights are hooked up to the camper. Did we, is it in tow haul mode? Is the hitch properly engaged? Is it, is the emergency release secured? Are the brakes tuned correctly? Are the lights, turn lights working? All that stuff. And getting that learning curve going was interesting. That's the truck side. I mean, and even part of the fun of, you know, is the truck, how are the, how do the tires look on the truck? Are we doing, you know, standard maintenance stuff on the truck? And I saw somebody yesterday rotated the wheels on their F-350. Uh, the F-350 dually is kind of unique in that it's got aluminum wheels for the front two wheels and the outside wheels in the back. The inside wheels are steel, um, the actual rims. And you want to keep it that way is my understanding uh, for load bearing purposes. And somebody said that they just rotated the tires and now the steel wheels are up front. And I don't have enough knowledge to correct him, but it's my understanding that, the, that that's there for load bearing purposes. Uh, it seems to make sense to me. So you've got to unseat and, un, and remount the tires if you really want to rotate them, which is kind of a pain in the ass. But, um, but that's what we did when I needed to rotate the tires. So, um, so yeah, before we left Barron and started on this big journey, we had, uh, well, we had had the tires rotated, but we had them checked. We had the front brake pads replaced. We had an alignment done on the front end. Uh, oil change, all that fun stuff. So, um, and then I changed the fuel filters also. And I'm going to go out and check some more fluids before we leave here in a couple days, just to make sure things like power steering, that there's no issues and that kind of thing. But, uh, so I think I covered most of the hitching stuff. I mean, you just got to make sure things are lubed and underneath the hitch, you got to pull off the top half of the hitch and lube it up and, uh, lube up the kingpin as well on the on the camper side of things. We just have the standard hitch that our grand design came with. They have since upgraded them. Uh, well, on the full solitude line, they've upgraded them to a more ride hitch that's got a little bit better ride support and ride comfort for the fifth wheel and has a little bit more uh, give and leeway to it. Um, so we might upgrade to that at some point. That's about a thousand bucks for something like that. Um, 
so we'll see. We'll see about that. But um, so we just have the standard hitch, but we've got to make sure that that's good to go. That there's you know that the bolts are torqued correctly. That the that it's greased a little bit to uh, on the pin itself as it slots into the fifth wheel, and that the K the emergency release cable's okay. That our lights cable, you know, lights and power cable is good and all that fun stuff. So it's a team effort when Jill and I go to hitch up the camper, she's uh, double checking to make sure I'm backing in right and and that we're hitched up correctly. And then I come out and double check it and make sure that we're good to go before we uh, pull up the front jacks completely. So um, camper itself, I mean, maintenance wise, let me go back to the document here. Um, you know, just driving and turning the fifth wheel, getting used to that. Uh, the driving part I've actually been pretty good with. I mean, you just have to realize you've got another 45. If you count the bike rack we've got on the back, we're about probably, uh, I mean, it's 40 feet from the kingpin to the back of the trailer, and then another couple feet for our three, four feet for our bike rack. And so, you know, we're talking almost a good 45 feet by the time everything's said and done. And so you just have to take that account into account when you're turning, going down the road, um, and making sure you take your time and you're paying attention to how tight and how close you're cutting your corners. So I've done well with that. And you just take it slow and go easy on it. And um, the fun part has been backing in. Uh, I'm still getting used to that, and I'll have another example of that on Sunday when we get to our next campground, because I think everything there is a back-in site. So we'll get some more practice, and I'll get better at it eventually. Right now, I tend to cut it a little tight and not follow it around well enough, um, but we'll get there. And um, but that, So that's the interesting part, is getting it to turn and getting the camper to turn and, and set up and get into its spot without overturning it and over cranking it kind of thing. So that some of that depends on the campground and the site you're going into. Like our first campground we came into at Lake Nishanik was a super tight site. We had a concrete pad on one side. We had the power and lights hookups on the other side. We had a tree right behind us and we had to slot into that. You know, thank God that there was nothing uh, right across the road from us camper wise at the time, because it would have been a nightmare trying to fit in if I wouldn't have been able to pull forward and straighten things out. So, um, but we got there eventually and I learned some stuff and continue to learn about it. So, um, so backing in is the fun part right now, I think. So, um, but giving up that sticks and bricks house means we had to downsize and simplify a lot. And, and so that also means walking away from a lot of things like wardrobe items and household items and tools that you may not have used that are just sitting there, just quote unquote, just in case and making all of that interesting. Uh, you know, that one time you need a tool and it's not, not there. We had to make some very strategic choices about what tools to keep, you know, like a drill and hammers and wrenches and sockets and, and I ended up buying a leaf blower again that was battery powered so that we could clean off our roof and uh, more easily and uh, air compressor system that was good for RVs that uh, 
what has worked awesome, um, all that kind of stuff. And oh yeah, that's one more thing in the emergency kit is our air, air compressor system. Um, and, but just making those decisions and getting organized and getting my wife, God bless her, uh, bought me a, a rigid uh, stackable toolkit uh, set for Father's Day that's helped me organize all of my tools and supplies and things like that. So things like you turn a bond tape, that's like super powered duct tape to seal if we ever have rips or tears in our roof uh, or anything that needs to hold and be waterproof until we can get it repaired, you turn a bond is the thing. And uh, uh, roof sealing caulk and um, what else is in there? Uh, cleaning stuff and lubricants and, you know, um, bug sprays and bug killer and caulk and uh, uh, screws and washers and, and all kinds of things. So, but when you've collected 20 years of tools and, and supplies and things like that, you know, you got to make some hard decisions about what you're going to keep and not keep and hope you pick the right thing because you've got a weight limit. And the weight limit of our camper is 16,800 pounds, roughly. And we're pretty much right on the edge of that because we've got stuff like homeschool supplies. So lots of books and art supplies and clothing. And I brought some books with and all my work stuff and kitchen. I mean, this is our life. This is where we live. So, uh, and again, God bless my wife. She is the one that organized probably 90% of this camper and did an awesome job at it. If you follow her on Instagram, then she's gonna start posting some little videos of uh, organizational things and things like that. So you'll be able to see just what she did and how she did it. And, and hopefully you think it's pretty cool. But, um, um, but outside setup, we also had to accommodate that. So being able to hook up to 50 amp power supply, which is technically it's, it's two phase 50 amp lines. So it's kind of hundred amp, think of it that way, but uh, that's what we need to be able to power everything in the camper, both ACs and things like that. We also have a solar system on top so we can go off grid for, for a while and be able to work with that. Um, it can't power our ACs. Uh, so uh, at least not for very long but uh, um, hopefully we'll be able to upgrade someday to be able to do all of that or be able to add in a generator to be able to do some of that. That's in the plans as well. Again, that's just a budgeting thing and savings and, and that kind of thing. So, um, which is a whole nother, I mean, you got a budget for campgrounds, fuel, insurance. Uh, we have payments, unfortunately, on our camper and our truck. Uh, we were not able to pay cash for them as much as I would have liked to, but we're working on getting those paid off as quickly as we can. So not as quickly as I want, but as quickly as we can right now. Hopefully that'll accelerate as this life on the road. Uh, if we can uh, build some additional businesses while we're here, then then we're going to try and do that too. So, um, but sorry, going back to camper outside setup. Somehow I got distracted from all that 50 amp power. It's a pretty hefty cord. We also ended up buying an extension cord because the 25 foot cable that came with the camper was not long enough at our last campground. So now we have 55 feet worth of 50 amp cable, which is about 
oh, a good two, three inches across. Um, but we also have the water connections. So you have water hoses, water connectivity. You have different settings at a Nautilus panel, which is where all of that goes into. Uh, whether you're using onboard water, which we have a 100 gallon tank that we could use to store fresh water. Um, we have, uh, I mean, we have a separate freshwater hose. We have a water filtration system that we have to set up. So just like people have like an RO system in their houses, we don't quite have a full RO system, um, but we've got some filters put in place for all of that and to be able to, to improve the campground you know, because campground water can be, in some cases, it's well water, and or some cases, it's just not very good city water. So you want to filter that as best you can. Um, so we've got all that to worry about and take care of and be able to tear down quickly and get on the road and, and not have it take eight hours to get on the road. Um, we have sewer connections. So, I mean, we've got two black tanks two 50 gallon black tanks, I believe, and um, two 50 gallon, roughly 50 gallon gray tanks, uh, one for the, each of the front and back of the camper. And so we have to be able to manage that and have be able to dump those, which is loads of fun. Um, I'll probably have a video on that at some point up on my Instagram account, but um, You, know, you got your slink, stinky slinkies to worry about. You got to store those. Uh, you've got make sure you've got good connections to the campground sewer connections, all that stuff. So, so just learning how to do all of that well has been a growth and a challenge. And um, you know, it's a little things. It's learning something new every time. It's not being too humble to ask for, or too arrogant to ask for help. It's being humble enough to ask for help if you need it. And um, there's great communities online for this. There's great people out there to reach out to that are more than willing to help. Even the people at the campgrounds, by and large, everybody we've met so far has been extremely friendly, friendly and willing to help us out wherever we could. So uh, camper financing is a whole separate discussion. Um, but I mentioned the water system. Um, there's going to be maintenance there. So we've, I've had to make some decisions on what parts do we bring with for the water system? How do we, how do we, how do we plan for things to go wrong there? Because they use plastic fittings a lot of the time and PEX, crimped PEX connections. Uh, even some clear water hose at, at times. They don't have a lot of shutoff valves. So we've got things like water detection monitors that'll screech when, uh, if we get a water leak somewhere at one of the faucets, um, we're already planning to replace the faucets. We have, or the bathroom faucets and the back kitchen faucet because they're uh, just not very good quality and, and uh, not a big fan of how they're put together. Just the design of the ones that they chose just is not very good. So, and there's no cutoffs there. So I'd have to add those and, and be able to work with those, you know, be able to add those cutoffs so that we can shut off water and work on the faucet if we need to without shutting off the water to all of the campground. Hot water heater takes some maintenance and work. Um, it's got a anode rod that, that uh, sacrifices itself over time to, um, to 
protect the water supply and things like that and and prevent rust and things inside the water heater. Um, but you've got to drain, occasionally drain and rinse out the, the hot water system. Um, the whole water system itself, you can sanitize. Our latest thing was occasionally the, or the water in our shower was getting skunky. Well, we also found out after sanitizing the whole system and it not going away, we find out it is the washer and dryer, hot water, hot and cold water connections in our master bedroom closet that they have water in them and that's connected to our bathroom water lines and that water is just dead and just sitting there. So we have to occasionally flush those out to freshen up that water so it doesn't bleed back into our shower. So good times, but air conditioning needs maintenance. We got filters to clean and the, the AC up on the roof to clean. I did that this week for the first time. Uh, we've got the roof to double check and maintain windows. You know, it's it's just much more maintenance intensive and everything is a new learning experience for me. So if you want to learn new stuff and stuff you've never done before, some people grow up with this, but um, it was never something that I grew up with. So it's definitely been a growth and challenge for me at times. But like I said, thankfully there's a huge online community for Grand Design uh, RVs that is a huge help, especially there's like a thousand people that are in a Facebook group for our model of camper alone, Solitude, Grand Design Solitude 3740BH. There's like a thousand people in that group alone and lots of people willing to help and thousands more in the main Grand Design forums. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, where was I trying to go with this? I guess I had to be open to learning new things um, to be able to take this journey. And I don't think I've necessarily, I mean, you get caught up in just doing. So, I mean, maybe this is pat myself on the back just a little bit, but maybe you know, it's a way to demonstrate that if you've got to learn new stuff, sometimes you just got to learn it if you want to go off at a 90 degree angle in your life, that it, you've got to be able to accept the challenges and make the most of them and not bitch and complain when something goes wrong. So it's definitely been a challenge at times. It's like, okay, now I got to do what? I got to do what and what and what, what, what? And 26 steps later, I'm like, okay, well, I guess it worked. Um, let's write this down so I don't screw it up next time or forget it all and have to worry about it later. So, um, so it's been a good shake up my stasis um, or status quo or comfort level, whatever you want to call it, of uh, getting me out of my comfort zone into this type of environment. And Whatever, whatever that might be, and, I, and I'm thinking of other ways to do that now, financially and, and in business and, and ways that we can grow outside of this to be able to give myself more freedom, to be able to explore this world and, and do things that, that are more in line with my dreams and goals and our family's dreams and goals. But that's going to also take stepping outside the box. So I've got to be able to apply this journey to um, other areas and not say that I'm done and not say that I'm finished. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But so I hope this, this one kind of made some sense to people and, um, 
I'm going to kind of cut it off here, I think, because I think I've talked enough. I'm going to try to get back to interviews as soon as I can. I've got some guests I'm lining up. So don't run away. Um, I'm going to might have a couple guests come on that I talked to in the past and kind of see where they're at now. But we'll see how that goes and uh, see where we go from here. But so, but if there's any topics you can think of, please message me or or whatever you want to do, and and uh, uh, we'll see where we go. But the whole point of today is kind of talk about how I was getting out of my comfort zone and forced to get out of my. Today was to, about how to force myself to get out of my comfort zone, and and. But it was by choice too. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I needed to get out of my comfort zone. And we wanted to do something different as a family. So to do that, that means X, Y, and Z. So um, hopefully that makes sense to everybody. And, and we'll try and expand on this in the future. So for Grow to Amazing, this is Tony. I'm out.